Prayers and Proclamations by Derek Prince Chapter 1 Proclaiming the Word Tremendous power is released through proclaiming the Word of God. Many believers are unaware of this amazing potential that is available to all Christians whether it is a situation of personal need or an international crisis that needs to be resolved, learning how to proclaim the Word of God into that situation releases God's creative power, which can utterly transform the circumstances. Every believer has both the privilege and the responsibility to proclaim God's Word. Throughout my years of ministry, whenever my wife Ruth was with me, I would always begin my messages by inviting her to join me in making a proclamation. God taught us to begin in this way, and we discovered that proclaiming the word in faith at the beginning of a meeting made a tremendous difference in the spiritual atmosphere in the meeting and in the anointing on the speaker. One of my favorite proclamations from scripture is one we used frequently and one that in many ways sums up the message of this book. This is the proclamation. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there both water, the earth, and make it bring forth, and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be, that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Isaiah 55:10 through 11. Chapter 2. What it means to proclaim. The word proclaim is a strong word. It comes from a Latin word that means to shout forth. A related word in the language of the New Testament is one that means to confess. Confess means to say the same as. For us as believers in the Bible, confession involves saying the same thing with our mouths as God has already said in his word. When we make the words of our mouths agree with the word of God, we position ourselves to receive the full backing and authority of Jesus. In Hebrews 3.1, the writer said that Jesus is the high priest of our confession. This is an important statement. If we have no confession, we have no high priest. Jesus is the high priest of what we confess. In other words, whenever we say with our mouths what the Bible says about us as believers in Christ, then we have Jesus as our high priest in heaven.
He is releasing his authority and his blessing over our confession. If we remain silent, however, in a certain sense, we cut off his ministry to us as high priest. If we make a wrong confession, we do even worse. In such a case, we invite negative forces to surround us and move upon us. A proclamation is a confession that is made aggressive. It is a word that speaks of spiritual warfare. It is releasing the authority of God's word into a situation, into your own life, your family, the life of your church, a political situation, or whatever it may be. There are countless situations that need to have the power of God released into them, and there is no more effective way to release the power of God than by proclamation. Proclaiming is really the activity of a herald. Herald is a word we don't use very much today, but in medieval times, the herald was a person with authority from a king, a duke, or some other nobleman who would go to a public place and make a proclamation of the will and decision of that ruler. He would shout out, Oye, Oye, and then make the proclamation. So whenever people heard Oye, Oye, they knew it represented the voice of authority. They would stand at attention and listen to what was being said. In the New Testament, although it doesn't clearly come out in most translations, the word preach is the word for a herald. It means to proclaim. three multiplying the power of communication these days through the use of modern communication technology we can proclaim God's Word far more widely than has ever possible before I have been a Bible teacher for many decades and always felt my duty was to interpret the Bible to explain it and help people to understand it Many years ago, the Lord began to impress on me the word proclaim. I felt that he was challenging me to go beyond teaching his word and to begin proclaiming it. The result was the beginning of my new radio Bible teaching ministry, which started on eight stations in the United States in 1979 and was eventually translated into more than 13 languages, effectively covering most of the globe. Essentially, it is a ministry of proclamation. The key verse that stirred me to establish the radio ministry was Matthew 24:14. This is the proclamation. This gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. This age cannot close until we have done our job as the church of Jesus Christ.
as his witnesses on the earth. Our task is to proclaim the gospel in all the world as a witness to all the nations. I have learned by experience the tremendous power of the word of God simply proclaimed in faith. It accomplishes the most marvelous results. I remember the story of an American woman who was everything a woman shouldn't be by Christian standards. She was a Marxist, a feminist, and a lesbian. She found herself in a small ship on the South China Sea with some of her companions as a storm was coming up. The others said, go down below and turn on the radio. See what you can find out about the weather. She turned on the radio and just happened to catch my radio program, which was being broadcast from Manila in the Philippines. She heard enough to get saved right then and there. As a result, she became just as radical the other way. Radical for God. It was not just the teaching that she heard. It was simply the word proclaimed that did its work. Prayers and Proclamations by Derek Prince Chapter 4 The Rod of Moses Look at the example of Moses when God called him to go back and be the deliverer of Israel out of Egypt. You may remember that God appeared to him in the burning bush and in Exodus 4 said that he was sending Moses back to Egypt in order to deliver Israel from bondage. Despite God's commission, Moses felt he was not equipped for the task. Moses had lost all the self-confidence he had had at the age of 40. He was now 80. He said, in effect, Why me, Lord? I can't do anything. How can I do it? In his ever-practical way, God said to Moses, What is that in your hand? Exodus 4 Verse 2. It's a rod, Moses replied. What he held was a rod like any other shepherd would carry. He didn't think there was anything particular special about this rod. God proceeded to demonstrate to Moses the miraculous potential in that seemingly insignificant rod. At one point, the Lord said, Cast it on the ground. Exodus 4, verse 3. When Moses did, it became a snake, and he ran away from it. Then God said, Reach out your hand, and take it by the tail, verse 4. 
anyone who deals with snakes will tell you that one should never pick up a snake by the tail. But Moses obeyed God, and the snake became a rod once again. In doing this, God showed Moses how to use the rod as an instrument of divine authority. With that rod, Moses defeated the magicians uh, of Egypt, stripped Pharaoh of his power, humiliated their gods, and brought Israel out of Egypt from slavery to freedom. If you analyze the rest of the book of Exodus from there on, the entire deliverance of Israel out of Egypt was achieved by that rod. Every time Moses wanted God to intervene, he stretched out his rod and God intervened. Moses' authority was symbolized by the rod in his hand. When the Red Sea needed to be divided so that Israel could pass through, Moses stretched out his rod and the waters split apart. When the Egyptians were crossing the seabed in pursuit of the children of Israel, Moses put forth his rod again, and the waters swallowed them up. The only equipment Moses needed for the entire task that God had called him to was a simple shepherd's rod, the very thing he didn't think held any significance when he first held it in his hand. Prayers and Proclamations by Derek Prince Chapter 5 Taking Hold of God's Word You too have a rod in your hand, your Bible. If you can understand its unlimited potential, you can use it as Moses used his rod to extend God's authority into any situation where Satan opposes the people and the purposes of God. Over four years together, my wife, Ruth, and I fought a continuing war against Satan, who opposed us and our ministry in many different ways. I sensed that one of his goals was to kill Ruth. In this war, the Holy Spirit taught us how to take hold of the Bible as our rod and extended God's authority through it into every area where Satan was opposing us. The Holy Spirit led us systematically to scripture after scripture and showed us how to direct them to each area of attack. The strategy that Holy Spirit taught us was Proclamation Thanksgiving Praise First Proclamation the appropriate scriptures will, with bold, unwavering confidence, 
To make this fully effective, we often personalize the passages we quoted, making any grammatical substitutions needed to apply the verses more personally to ourselves. For instance, when the Bible says, you, we changed it to our proclamation to I or us. Secondly, we accepted the scriptures we proclaimed as true, even before we saw its actual outworking in any situation. The natural result of this was to thank God for it. This logical step to the third step, loud, jubilant praise. The Song of Solomon, chapter 6, verse 4. Solomon describes Christ's bride, the church, as often as army with banners. Under these banners, proclamations, thanksgiving and praise, Ruth and I were able to drive out the hosts of darkness and enter into the freedom that God had appointed for us as believing people. Unless otherwise indicated, we use the New King James Version, where we have felt it appropriate to make significant changes in the wording. This has been indicated by an asterisk. The proclamations and prayers will be grouped under ten headings. Fear the Lord, righteousness and holiness, health and strength, guidance, protection and preservation, God's intervention in human affairs, testing and trials, spiritual conflict, perfect redemption, mental and emotional stability, serving God. Finally, at the end, there are six comprehensive proclamations that were special favorites of ours. In order to receive the maximum benefit from these scriptures, here are three simple steps to follow. 1. Ask the Holy Spirit to make alive to you any scriptures that are appropriate to your particular situation. 2. Read these scriptures through many times, out loud if possible. 3. Gradually proceed from reading aloud to systematic memorization. This is a natural step. The Hebrew expression for to learn by heart actually means to learn by mouth. As you read the words aloud, they gradually become imprinted on your memory. Before we get started, however, let me share with you some of the words I have learned about proclaiming God's Word. Prayers and Proclamations by Derek Prince 
Chapter 6 The Word and the Spirit Together As we noted about Moses at the beginning of the previous chapter, if you are a Bible-believing, committed Christian, you also have a rod in your hand. It is the Word of God. Think of your Bible as the only instrument you need in your hand to be able to do everything God calls you to do. The first thing we need to realize is the power of God's Word. It is a supernatural book. Just like Moses' rod, it contains power that isn't obvious when you first look at it. But when you begin to understand it, its power is actually limitless. Let me give you a few scriptures that reveal the power of the Word of God. And this would be a proclamation as well. By the Word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the hosts of them by the breath of his mouth. Psalm 33, 6, King James Version. The Hebrew word for breath is rach, which is also the word for spirit. Thus all of creation came about through two agents, the Word of God and the Spirit of God. Everything that exists has existed or will exist owes its proper origin to those two forces working together. The Word must work with the Spirit. I think that might be why it was translated as breath and not as spirit. Think about the tremendous power of words, and yet how simple they can be. When I was teaching English as a second language to African students, I had to learn elementary phonetics. I made some interesting discoveries about words. How do we actually speak? As rele release breath out of our lungs... It passes through the mouth and nose, and the various alterations it is subjected to determine the sound of the words that come out. Because of this, you cannot speak without breathing. This is a picture of how God speaks, too. Every time he speaks a word, it is carried by his breath, his spirit. The Word and the Spirit of God always go together. The Word and the Spirit of God brought the universe into being, and they continue working together to sustain it. There is a very powerful scripture in Second Peter that tells us three facts. The Word creates, the Word maintains, and the word abolishes. This is a, another proclamation. 
By the word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water, and in the water, by which the word that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Second Peter 3, 5-7 By the word of God, the earth and heavens were brought into being. By the word of God, they are maintained in being. And by the word of God, and in his timing, they will pass away. The word of God creates, maintains, and abolishes. Sometimes when I look at the mess that man is making of this planet, I am glad that the word of God will abolish this mess one day. God accomplishes all these things by his word. Let us return to the scripture quoted at the beginning. Isaiah 55 verses 10 through 11. This word must come out of God's mouth, otherwise it is not effective. This is also a proclamation. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth and make it bring forth and bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Notice that God said, My word that goes forth from my mouth. In other words, my word, when it is propelled by my breath, in 2 Corinthians 3, verse 6, Paul said, The letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. In other words, the word by itself, without the breath, does not bring life. It has to be the word and the Spirit together. You may have a sermon that has a lot of scripture in it. But if it does not have the breath of the Spirit, then it is dry. It does not produce life, it produces death. The two must always operate together. I want to draw a parallel with the experience of Moses to see how we can make the Word of God effective by proclaiming it. By proclaiming it, I mean releasing it into a particular situation. It takes confidence and boldness. It is not for the timid. You must make up your mind that you believe it.
It is God's word, and if you say it with a believing heart through believing lips, it is just as effective when his spirit says it through you as it is when God himself says it. If the Spirit of God propels the Word of God through your mouth, it is an effective as when God spoke the universe into being. Prayers and Proclamations by Derek Prince Chapter 7 Learning to Tremble at God's Word We begin this chapter with the recognition that the first thing that happened to Moses was, he, was that he became frightened. When Moses threw the rod on the ground, it became a snake, and he ran from it. Like Moses before, we can be effective in proclaiming, we must learn to have a healthy fear of the Word of God. We have to learn to tremble at the Word of God. This is a proclamation. Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and earth is my footstool. Where is the house that you will build me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things my hand has made, and all those things exist, says the Lord. But on this one will I look, on him who is poor and of a contrite spirit, and who trembles at my word. Isaiah 66, verses 1 through 2. We can't build anything that will impress God because he has already created the entire universe. There is one thing, however, that does attract his favor. On this one will I look with esteem or with respect. Whom will God respect and take into account? Him who is poor and of a contrite spirit and who trembles at my word. So like Moses, our first reaction must be fear and awe at the word of God. There is far too little fear of the word of God in the church today. Perhaps we have become too familiar with it. We quote it and bandy it about, but too many fail to show true reverence for it. This attitude must change. Let me give you two reasons why we should tremble before the word of God. The first is when Jesus said, This is a proclamation. If anyone hears my words and does not believe and receive them, I do not judge him, for I did not come to judge the world, 
but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last days. John 12, verse 47 through 48. One day we will all be judged by the word of God. Imagine yourself standing before Almighty God, having to give an account for your life, as I believe we all must do one day. I think you would tremble, you would be very concerned. Jesus said that we should have the same attitude toward the word of God because it will be our judge on that day. Every time we open the pages of the Bible and read it, if we can understand this, we are looking at that which will one day judge us. No wonder we should tremble at it. Then Jesus made another amazing statement. If anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. John 14, verse 23. This is one of the few places in the Bible where the plural pronoun is used to describe God. We, Father and Son, will come to him. How will they come? It will be through God's word. In other words, when we open up to his word, then God himself, the Father and the Son, is coming into our lives, willing to make his home with us. Imagine a vision in which you actually saw the Lord Jesus coming into your home, you would be overwhelmed. You would have a sense of awe. You would want to fall at his feet in reverence. Here Jesus is saying, not only will I come, but the Father will come as well. And they will come through the word of God. Most of us in the contemporary church need a change of attitude regarding God's word. We need to show a much greater sense of reverence, awe, and fear. The word would be ineffective in our lives in the way I have described until we learn to reverence that word. Prayers and Proclamations by Derek Prince Chapter 8 Executing God's Judgment The previous chapter showed us the importance of trembling at the word. This is the first thing that happened to Moses. He suddenly realized the power that was present in his rod and he ran from it. The second thing he did was to take hold of the rod. 
By faith he gripped it, and the snake became a rod in his hand once again. So after we have trembled, we need to take hold of God's word. The last four verses of Psalm 149 speak powerfully to this. This is a proclamation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud on their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance on the nations and punishments on the peoples to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute on them the written judgment. This honor have all his saints. Praise the Lord. Psalm 149 verses 5 through 9. The saints spoken of here are all true dedicated believers, people who tremble at the sound of the word of God, but are totally committed to it. And there is an amazing series of statements given. Can you identify yourself as belonging to the saints? If you have the high praises of God in your mouth and a two-edged sword in your hand, then you can execute judgment on the nations. Can you begin to see yourself by faith as part of this scenario? This honor or privilege belongs to all the saints. What an awesome responsibility. I think the way each of us prays would be quite different if we were to really see ourselves in the light of these verses. Notice that we are to execute the written judgment. Where is that judgment written? It is in the Word. We are not the ones to make the, these judgments. God has made them. But we have the privilege of executing those judgments on the nations and their rulers. In other words, believers have a unique and important part to play in history. The tragedy is that so many Christians are so far from understanding all God has made available to us, not to mention all he expects from us. I want to emphasize that we don't make judgments. We find the judgments in the written word of God. Our role is to execute them. How do we do this? We do it by proclaiming from the word of God the judgments that are written there. We simply proclaim them. We are the heralds. We stand in the marketplace of the world and shout out, Oye, Oye. Then we announce the decree of God. Prayers and Proclamations
by Derek Prince. Chapter 9 Exercising Authority As we come to the next stage, I want to be very practical and down to earth. After Moses grasped the rod, what did he do next? When he got back to Egypt, he stretched it out. By doing so, he exercised the authority that was in the rod. I want to suggest that we need to do the same. We need to take the written word of God and stretch it out in any situation where the authority of God is needed. One of the most effective ways to release the power of God into a situation is by proclaiming it in faith and under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. Remember what the word must go with the breath. When the breath or spirit of God propels his word from our mouths, we can release it into a situation. And those words have all the authority of Almighty God in that situation. God did not step down off his throne, take the rod from Moses and say, I'll do it for you. That seems to be what many of us expect to happen. But God says, in effect, you've got the rod, you can do it. Although it was actually called the rod of God in Exodus 4.20, Moses was the one who held it and wielded it. I am going to address a number of situations that need the rod of God. I will begin with matters that are personal and then move on to needs that are regional, national, and even international. I want to highlight the different ways in which can stretch forth the rod of God. These will all be proclamations used regularly in my devotional times with the Lord. Often these times were anything but quiet times. I'm not suggesting that there is any more power if you shout. It all depends on how the Holy Spirit leads you at the time. Over a period of years, I have gathered between one and two hundred proclamations that I have made on a regular basis. Some of these I have proclaimed hundreds of times.